So it's been a couple of really good months for Cam Deneen. In December, he was named Defenseman and Rookie of the Month. Earlier this week, he received another Rookie of the Month award for January. He was ranked 117 on the NHL Central Scouting list, and he scored a bunch of goals lately in some key situations that has helped the battalion continue their hot streak. But yet he wasn't even invited to the BMO CHL Top Prospects game. And are there really 117 skaters better than Cam Deneen in North America? I sit down this week with Bob Coles and Brian Floyd to talk about Cam Deneen, how scouting has evolved over the years, and we look back, as always, on the week that was for your troops on the Battalion Blog Podcast. In the summary zone, Goodrill holds it, shoots, scores, scores! North Bay has won the division! Warrior on the back, and he scores! Pour some sugar on that one! Special delivery for Special K, and he scores! This is the Battalion Blog Podcast with the voice of the Battalion, Matthew Sucro. So pleased to be joined this week once again by uh, my color commentator, Bob Coles, and the PA announcer for the Battalion, Brian Floyd. Gentlemen, nice to get you back in uh, back in the studio uh, together this time. Hey, nice to see you, Brian. How I you know, doing? It's been a long time coming. You still it's, in radio? That's, I'm still doing this, oh, yeah. Okay. It's, I'm still doing the job. You still at the rink? Oh, yeah, still at the rink. Yeah. It, I feel like we sit really close to each other. I can you smell know, the it's... cologne that you wear. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's actually a funny... Because I never see your face during game nights. Just the back of my you, head, I just yeah. see the back of your head. Yeah. It's better that way. Yeah. It's better that <laughs> and try way. to peer over there. Okay, what's he about to announce? What's he about to yeah. say? I'm, yeah, I'm always, I'm always looking down. over your shoulder to see what the uh, what the people wrote on the sheet, what the OHL guys write on the sheet. And I go, that that's not right. That, always, that was the wrong call. People but. always tell me I have a face for a PA announcer. So. <laughs> wow. So this week we're going to uh, we're going to look at, uh, at, at some draft stuff coming up. Um, both drafts for OHL and NHL have really overtaken news coverage, right? I mean, going into the year, you're talking about how the team just drafted, and then throughout the year, you're going to talk about who's getting drafted. And it's funny that people are talking about 15 and 16 year old kids this way, in the same way they're talking about. 19, 18 and 19 year old kids going into the NHL. Just from your guys' perspective, from watching hockey uh, most of your life, how much has it changed and how much emphasis do you guys feel has been put on um, this team needs to quote unquote draft well to have a good year? Oh, nowadays it's uh, like in the, in the NHL, it's huge. But even in junior hockey, you want to know who the future is. Who's the next guy? Who's the first round pick? You know, when they drafted uh, McKenzie from uh, from Oakville, um, not only was he the 10th overall pick and he was going to be the big guy coming here, he was the first player the North Bay Battalion drafted. So uh, you wanted to know about him. And then each year, um, you know, who are the battalion going to pick? Um, and then when you get a North Bay kid like, like this year with Brady Lyle, it's even more. But, yeah, I mean, back in the day, you wouldn't know who the top – player picked was until they showed up for training camp now by may you know who it is you know you have the the scouts are just so good now and and everyone's you know they have so many different stats now that they're crunching numbers and the analytics and everything it's it's just so crazy and then i think it really started with um that pittsburgh penguin team that uh, that went on to to win the cup there was so much focus on drafting uh Mm -hmm. because they were so bad for so many years and then, you know, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are a good example of that as well. They they took a lot of players in, the, in drafts, and they built up. And now, you know, you look at a team, prime example, the Leafs, 
are trying to do that same thing, trying to use that Pittsburgh Penguins kind of Chicago Blackhawks mm-hmm. system in the NHL anyway. Uh, the OHL, it's, it's a little harder. I mean, you have to be really good with your strategy because, you know, you have to do this every five years. You know, you don't and, have those players. And some guys long. are only going to be there. I mean, if, if you draft a really good player, he's only going to be there two years. Right, I mean, or or maybe yeah, absolutely, three, right. Yeah. So that that is where it's harder, I think, in the OHL. Well, what's different is in the NHL, you got to remember you have the salary cap, so mm-hmm. that's why you have to draft your players and not trade away your draft picks and hold on to your players and be patient. Something, you know, the Leafs haven't done well in the past, but now that's the only way you can win. I mean, you can't because that salary cap. So if you make a trade for say a, you know, a, a Steven Stamkos this year and you know, you're tied into his salary or say it's a different player Mm -hmm. uh, who has a couple of years left on his contract. You're tied into that salary and that affects the type of player you draft because you're not going to be able to hold on to that player because eventually they're going to earn big money, say like a Mitch Marner, someone like that. Now, junior hockey, um, you know, it's it's they don't have those rules. So what happens is a player doesn't want to report who's drafted. So they don't draft that player. So an organization like the Battalion, when they pick, they're going to pick a player. They've talked to the player. They've talked to the parents. Are you going to come here? Are you going to be a good team guy? Are you willing to, you know, get used to the travel distance, all that sort of thing? And that's why some players, you know, coincidentally play in London uh, and don't play in Sudbury, although it wasn't a problem for Sudbury getting Levin this year. Do you think that's fair? Do you think that that – I mean – you know, we've seen it with Eric Lindros in the uh, NHL, but it seems to be happening quite often in the OHL, as Bob just alluded to. Uh, do you think it's it's fair that teams can do that in the OHL, Brian? Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a different beast. I mean, I think in the NHL, I think at, at that point when you're ready to be in the – I don't think it's right either way. Uh, I think when you're ready to play in the NHL, um, you know, I mean – if you're if you're lucky enough to get the chance to play this game, I don't think you should be able to pick and choose where you're going exactly. Um, when you're a young kid, maybe going into the OHL though, it's a little bit different. You know, when you're an 18 year old man uh, going into the NHL, uh, that's one thing. But if you're going into the OHL, you're 15, 16 years old. You know, I think your parents might have a little bit of say in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it looks like for the most part, you know, if you're a, a parent, you know, if you're a hockey parent, you want your kids to play for a, for a successful team. Right. So, you know, you see a lot of kids going to the Guelph Storms or, you know, the, the London Knights are a prime example of that because they always have good teams. You know, even when the London Knights aren't in it, they're still in it. <laughs> That's right. Know? So it's it's a, a lot of kids, you know, some of the best players will go to London. Um but yeah, I, I don't. In you, terms of that being fair. Well, that's the thing. You 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 mentioned that there's a lot of there's a lot more emphasis on the scouting, the scouts, and the scouts have to be so much better at their jobs this Especially year. Especially at this level, you that's know? right. I mean, you're scouting kids from a very very young age, and there's so many leagues right across Canada that you're you're looking well, at. There's right? So many. There's like you know, eight there's leagues in so Southern teams. Ontario. There's so many teams that you're you're looking at. So I mean, it's it's tough. It's a it's a tough job. Yeah, what the OHL does is they say uh, if you draft a player that uh, the other goes the other route, some teams go the other route. They know the guy's not going to report. They draft him anyway. They know he won't report. 
So what do they do? They get an extra draft pick the next year. Mm-hmm. So that's happened the last couple of years too. But the battalion don't go that route. They they you know they don't want to deal with that. They they just want the player to come here and learn and learn uh, Stan Butler's uh, system. Uh, they don't want to deal with all the you know the stuff that goes off. But but the battalion do a good job of holding on to their players. They don't trade players. You know, unless the player wants out. And then if the player wants out, he's gone. We saw that, uh, I guess, with Blake Clark a couple of years ago. Zach they made Bell that deal. Well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, they, once once they're here, they're usually here to stay. And that's what the battalion tell their parents. You're here to stay, you know, unless we think it's going to really radically improve our team. You know, they'll they'll play their whole career here. And one exception to the the rule, I think, is Cam Deneen is a guy that um, I don't know how sure they were that he was gonna he was gonna come to North Bay. They drafted him, worked on him, and it seemed like he made the right decision. Cam Deneen, probably the best player that wasn't invited to uh, Don Cherry's uh, showcase game, but I mean, Cam Deneen has been everything you could have expected and more since the battalion drafted him in the eleventh round. They told me in the summer, an official with the battalion told me. This is one of the biggest acquisitions we've made in the last five years, five mm-hmm. to ten years, maybe in the history of the team. They knew how good he was, and they said, uh, wait till the whole league sees Camden Ean. I mean, this kid is going to be able to step right in because he's, he's such a smart hockey player. He's got great hockey sense. He's a good skater. He just sees the game. He's so intelligent that, you know, this is a huge signing for us, uh, because committing to the battalion, committing to the OHL. And uh, so it was a huge, but as for the ranking, I mean, you know, those rankings are based on how big you are and, and because he's not a prototypical defenseman, mm-hmm. he's not 6'4", 220, he's a small kid and you just, you know, you, you don't know him until you see him play. But I, th- I don't think there are 116, you know, the, the 170, what, 117th ranked mm-hmm. of North American skaters. <laughs> you telling me there are 116 better hockey players in Camden Ean in North America? That's really? what the rankings yeah, say, Brian. Right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the rankings so, say. I don't know. You know. Uh, maybe before the season started, but um, <laughs> I don't know about that now. I mean, he's leading the uh, defenseman in points. Yep. Uh, he's been, what? Uh, defenseman of the month, player of the month. He's, he's, he's certainly going to be a candidate for MVP. Uh, I, I would think so. Other, or at least rookie, rookie of the year, right? Rookie, yeah. I think I think he's so, got rookie of the year. Yeah. So, you know, he should have been, you know, but uh, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, the, the prospects game, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a real all-star game because of, you know, who's involved. I don't want to criticize Don Cherry, but, but let's be honest, he, he's always talking about Canadian players. And unless there's an obvious American player, and mm-hmm. I don't think Deneen was an obvious pick, but, you know, do you want, do you want an American player at that game? So he may, it may be reverse discrimination for Cam Deneen in that sense that, you know, but it's driving him too. And I think mm-hmm. that's good for him. It's good for the team. He's motivated now to prove all these people wrong. And so, you know, uh, Stan Butler thinks he's a, he's a first-round NHL draft pick. I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the future looks bright for this team. You know, you look at guys who on paper aren't exactly that big a guy. Take a guy like uh, Zach Poirier. You know, he's not a huge guy, but that guy crash and he can crash and bang, and he gets into those dirty areas, and and you know he can he can score too. He's got the touch. So uh, the future is bright for the battalion. You look at another guy, uh, uh, Steve Harlan, 
who didn't look like, you know, we were talking about Cam Deneen, it didn't look like he was going to report. Well, you know, Steve Harlan didn't look like it was he was going to play at all in mm. the OHL. And, you know, he reported, and it's it's unbelievable the, the future that this team has now. I think uh, Steve Harlan has a lot uh, of thanks to give to uh, Danny Malcahone. Uh, I know Danny Malcahone, <laughs> uh, who is, uh, I always call him scout extraordinaire when he's on the broadcast with us, but he was a guy that really looked at Steve Harlan when he was playing in Toronto, and, and he said, you know, he said to Stan Butler and the rest of the scouts, this is a guy we should look at. They were worried about his size, and now look at him. He's uh, top six in scoring for the North Bay Battalion. So I think uh, Dan McElhone is a guy that was in Harlan's corner that kept pushing his name, pushing his name, and it looks like uh, it's paying off, especially this year when you lose Zach Bertina. You know, uh, if you could get some some scoring out of a, a kid you bring up from the NOJHL, I mean, that just does wonders, uh, not only for the scout, but for the player as well. I think I've said this on the broadcast that, that uh, Steve Harlan deserves everything that's come to him. Uh, and the one the one person who should be credited with Steve Harlan's success is Steve Harlan. I mean, mm. he had a great year last year, uh, really wasn't given the opportunity by, uh, by the battalion. And uh, just because of the the depth they had up front in that position mm -hmm. and uh you know i mean this was a talented team that was was trying to win a you know a league title last year and so there wouldn't there was no room for a guy like steve harland and uh, this year you know he didn't get the opportunity beginning of the year it was uh you know that was sort of Zach Pertita's role, yeah. the quick guy who gets open and has lots of room and harland was thinking of going the college route too so mm -hmm. but once pertina went Unfortunately, his career ended because of his concussions. They needed a guy to sort of who was good in the open areas. And uh, and watching Harlan on a regular basis, he's good in those areas, but he's he's starting to do more things. You know, he's blocking shots. He's mm -hmm. uh, he's getting a little more active in the corners. Uh, so yeah, he deserves everything that's come his way. Nothing else uh, from you on Steve Harlan. <laughs> No, Awkward he's, pause. he's great. Bob, I think Bob said everything <laughs> that needed to be said. I mean, Steve Harlan, it's it's a development league, and he's really developed his game. And I mean, you can see why he was the MVP of the league in the NOJHL last year. And uh, yeah, he's really he's kind of you see how he's fit into that Stan Butler style of hockey. And now he's blocking shots, and he's good. Uh, he's a great defensive player as well as an offense. Uh, an offensive player. So. so just to bring this full circle, to tie it back into scouting, drafting, and all that, you know, you look at a guy like Steve Harland, and you wonder about his, his time for development in the OHL. And we already said, you know, it's hard to draft guys and expect them to come running out of the gate in the OHL versus in the NHL. You know, you draft a Sidney Crosby, expect him to, you know, be one of the leading scorers on your team. So that's, I think, where it, it becomes a little bit harder for GMs and coaches because if they think, you know, we're only going to have this guy for one year and we don't think he's going to develop into anything for us, that's where a lot of kids will lose uh, will lose out on the chance to actually play in, in the OHL. Well, there's still bias. You see it all the time. You know, you think of Tyler Johnson with Tampa and the run he went on last year in the playoffs. You think of Brandon Gallagher in Montreal. It's those types of guys, those smaller players, those quick players. You know, the maybe some see them as just offensive players. Mm -hmm. But a guy, kid like Gallagher, like, he's got a mean streak. He's willing to go to front of the net. He's he's not afraid of these, these tall trees he plays against every night. I mean, so I think you have to watch guys play. And I think scouts still, to me, 
you know, the, the, and, and that's where the rankings come in. You know, they look at the body types, you know, defenseman, 6'4", 220. You look, take a kid like Brazo for North Bay. He's being rated, I think, based on his body type, that he's big, he's going to get better, he's going to get more experience, he's going to become a goal scorer once he gets, you know, the confidence of being in an OHL career. But is he given the same, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt as Cam Deneen? No, he's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deneen has to, you know, like prove himself while Brazo is more of a, a project. They're being patient with a kid like that because they look at him and, uh, you know, they assume he's going to get better. And uh, so, so, you know, there's a benefit of the doubt the smaller kids don't get. But, you know, I think that drives them, though. If they're, mm-hmm. if they're you know, if you have, they have the right personalities like Deneen does, you know, oh, you don't think I'm uh, above 117? Well, mm. I'm going to go out and prove to you tonight I'm yeah. better than 117. And start padding my stats and, and you know, showing so, that, right? But you got to have that personality. Yeah. You know, you, if one door closes, uh, you know, you you know, you know, try to open that door again. And uh, that's what he does. And uh, so, you know, I think, it's, I think it's a good thing that these guys have this sort of inner drive. Mm-hmm. That just because they tell you you're not good enough, it doesn't mean you're not good right. enough. Just keep plugging away, and that's what both of these kids, Harland and Deneen, have done. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the road that uh, you compare a guy like Deneen to uh, Riley Bruce, for instance. You know, third year in the OHL, he's really come into his own. You know, he's really starting to play oh, his sure. game and become such a dominant defenseman in this league. And the NHL has, has had their, their eyes, like NHL scouts have had their eyes on – on this guy since he, he broke into the league, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, maybe the eyes were on Deneen, but he had a little bit more to prove with his size, whereas Bruce, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, uh, 207, 10 pounds, they knew that he was going to be a dominant force yeah. right from the beginning. And so exactly what Bob said, you know, it's, it's a little bit more to prove when you're a smaller guy than when you have that size, especially in the defensive end. And, and that's the other thing. Both Brazo and, and Bruce, maybe their stats aren't where they want them to be, but certainly their, their play on the ice is. And that, I want to touch on stats a little bit. Um, you know, again, going back to scouting, it's interesting. Um, I was watching a, a movie uh, called uh, Trouble with the Curve. Have you seen that? It's a Clint Eastwood one. Love uh, that movie. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a baseball one, but it's you know um, uh, Matthew Lillard plays a scout who just wants a scout based on the numbers he sees on the computer screen, whereas Clint Eastwood is the old school guy and he has to go and actually watch uh, the guy play. So I mean, you look at it in hockey as well, right? You can't just base it base a guy's play off the stats that's on on the sheet but the more and more you get into the analytics of the stats and the coursey stats that are out there it really starts to reveal how good you can project a player to be do you guys agree with that or do you think that you know scouts still i mean you're always going to have to see the guy play but with the advanced stats out there now i mean you know every little tendency is pretty much recorded by these guys, and I think that goes into these rankings and and into these draft classes, and that's why it's funny that Cam Denise is listed so low. I I don't know. I'm sort of mixed. I think you have to do both. I, I think you have to see them play. I mean, you can use stats to any type of – like you're a scout and you work for an organization and, and uh, you know, a general manager wants to see you, and he says, okay, you've seen this kid play, um, so he'll get like a – you know, a computer email about all the various stats, you know, 
You know, is he on the power play? Is he killing penalties? Uh, what lines he on? You know, how is he used? All those things. But, you know, you have to see him play, and you have to get a sense of what kind of player he is. I think, I think for a, for an organization, they need comparative. Uh, like, is there a guy in this organization that's like this kid? Mm-hmm. Like, who is he? And, you know, what does he have to work on? Is he better? To, you know, there's so many ingredients now. Mm-hmm. But you can get stats out of anything. But I think you, you have to have hockey people give you a sense of, you know, what kind of guy is this? Right. Is, he a, is he a guy yeah. who's going to spend four months in the summer working on his game? Mm-hmm. Or is he a guy who's going to be on the beach for four months? Yeah. Those are things that stats aren't going to show you. <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, like, because when you're playing an 80-90 game season, is he going to be as good in May as he is in October? You know, Depends. is he a team guy? Depends he, how many uh, you know, hot dogs he eats, right? Yeah, and what's he like in the room? Like, those stats don't tell you what's he like in the room. Right. Is he a leader? Is he, uh, you know, so I don't know. I, I think you have to have a, a mixed bag there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if stats can't tell you a person's character you know I mean this the guy could be projected to get 100 points next season but he could be terrible in the locker room and you know no no one else wants to play with him right so I mean it's it's really you have to have uh, a hockey guy you have to have a hockey sense Mm -hmm. right so um, you can use analytic uh, analytics to a certain point but then at the same point, you have to, you know, you have to really see these guys and see if they want to play and see how they play the game and if they're going to work with your system as well. Is there too much information now? Now, I know I, you as a PA announcer, um, I don't know if you did this when you were announcing in, in Alberta, but you do this for the battalion is you announce a goal and which number it is, like how many they have on the season or if it's a big career milestone. You know, um, even the other day watching the video when Ovechkin scored his 500, the PA announcer in Washington, you know, his 500th career goal. So, I mean, is it like people people want to know the numbers? I mean, did you do that when you were PA announcing yeah, we, in Alberta? Yeah, we, we did that. Uh, we did that a little bit. I mean, milestones, may, maybe not milestones so much, um, but we, we definitely we did that out there. But it, it's really cool, though. I mean, if a guy is scoring his first OHL goal, Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a big milestone for you know or that that's a big moment for for that player or you know if a guy is scoring his 200th point in the OHL it's huge you know so mm-hmm. I mean I like we like we like to to get that information out there and I think fans react to it you know I mean they love hearing that stuff too they love to to know that a guy is has played that well for their team and he's had that you know, storied of a career as little as it is, you know, there's only that five year span um, in the league. And it's, I think it's really, really cool. I think it's interesting how stats are used on TV to pad time. Whereas you don't have enough time on radio to get all the stats out that you want. Well, hockey's hard because (laughs) in the other sports, uh, you know, you have time to like in baseball, you have time. There's pauses. Football, you you got like, you know, 30 seconds between plays. (laughs) Hockey, you may have a you may have a stat that you want to talk about, but eh, the five minutes of play by play goes and it's gone. It's just, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you're still thinking about it, but it's left the significance. Remember seven scoring yeah, chances. Remember on the back in the first. When Mike Amadio when... was in the corner yeah. with uh, Riley Bruce. Oh well, I guess there's no point in saying that. <laughs> you know, it's sort of it's it's you know you've got to be. You know, it's there are the the breaks like the the breaks, the period breaks, and after a big goal or. But sometimes, you know, it's just 
there's just no point in getting it in. So that's mm-hmm. tough for a broadcaster. Yeah, I always found that that interesting. Let's move on to how the uh, battalion played this week. Um, a couple of wins. They started on the road in Guelph. First time ever as the North Bay Battalion winning a regulation, a regular season game in Guelph. Um, we'll talk about the rink in a second, but uh, that win, uh, we talked about the huge win for North Bay to beat them in overtime two weekends ago. Now to get a win over them in Guelph. Skates into Amadio in front to Danini, scores! What a passing play, Cam Danini loads up on the offense machine on the pass from Amadio, and the Battalion, almost out of nowhere, take a 1-0 lead. That was a gorgeous passing play. His fourth goal in four games for Cam Danini. He now has 11 on the season. Wood fires it in, blocked by Amadio, in front to Santos, he scores! Matt Santos gives the battalion a 2-0 lead. Guelph just parted the rivers there out front, left Santos wide open. But one of the uh, unheralded guys on that play is going to be Kyle Wood on the point. Keeps the puck in, gets it deep, and lets his forwards go to work. McKenzie coming down the wing, centers the puck. It's loose in front of the net. Kisslinger with a shot. Brazo, it's in. Brazo and Kisslinger were right on the doorstep. One of them was able to punch it past Michael Jigaves. It looks like they're going to give it to Mad Max Kisslinger. And just like that, the battalion have a 3-0 lead. And Jake Smith is now tied for first all-time on the battalion shutout list. His ninth career shutout tied with Mate Mahovsky. His 79th career win and just another accolade on the impressive career resume for Jake Smith. For the first time this season, the Battalion win back-to-back games on the road. For the first time as the North Bay Battalion, they win a game in Guelph. Bob, how do you think that affects the team morale overall to finally break that, that goose egg? Well, I mean, that was a, not the Guelph that uh, for a couple of those <laughs> players, though, you know, for a couple of those guys, for Mike Amadio yeah. and Jake Smith, it was probably Matthew a big win. Santos, yeah. Uh, for, yeah. for, yeah, Jake Smith probably wanted that shutout pretty bad because, you know, that's where the season ended in that building at that, that probably at that end of the rink. And, mm-hmm. uh, and he stopped it on a penalty shot, kept his shutout going. So for a few guys, I think it was big. Um, you know, I found it interesting that I think the Guelph thing is left with the way they came back in the Guelph game in North Bay where they, right. you know, they're the team that had the lead in the finals and Guelph was the team that had the lead in that game, uh, that Thursday game. And North Bay they comes back the script, yeah. in the last minute, ties it, wins it in overtime. So, uh, but, but I'm sure it meant something to those guys because I think every time you go into a certain building and it's had a devastating uh part you think about it all summer that fifth game in Guelph mm. um, you know and every time you see Guelph it's in the back of your mind whether players admit it or not right it is so I'm sure it meant something to them but I think a lot of the luster was off after they uh, they came back to beat them in overtime so here's what I think about the Sleeman Center as a hockey rink beautiful facility uh, very well constructed not really a bad view from from anywhere in that building it's uh, basically two-tiered. You got the lower bowl with about 20, 30 rows uh, of seats uh, that go pretty far back with the seats going right down uh, up to the glass. And then the second 
level is basically all suites and then the media box. I do like the view from the media box. It's a wide open box, um, nothing really over covering you. Um, you're sitting next to one of the suites actually, so it's kind of fun to uh, hear the comments from from the guys and girls in the uh, the suite next to us. But um, a lot of room, not a lot of leg room in the uh, in the media box, but certainly a lot of uh, room. Everyone's kind of spread out. You know, the where we were was uh, t towards the one end of the box. So basically, if you're looking at it, we're to the uh, the far right side uh, next to one of the suites. And on the uh, the lower level, and the the media box is basically three levels. On the top level, you have all the TV guys, and then the next level is all the OHL guys, and then the bottom level is kind of your radio and uh, and scouting guys. But again, everyone's uh, really spread out, so it's not too squishy in there. And uh, the view of the ice. So if I'm looking at the ice from my broadcast point, I'm basically at the blue line. Um, where Guelph had their goaltender twice to that end, uh, just to the left. And it's a great view of the ice. Um, again, it, it's hard to compare some of these newer buildings to Memorial Gardens, but I think it's uh, it's it's a better facility than, than Memorial Gardens, very comparable to rinks like the SR Center in Sault Ste. Marie um, and I would say Oshawa. In the General Motors Center. So, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, visiting uh, the Sleeman Center. It's uh, definitely a great place to watch hockey. Why don't you give me your thoughts on Sudbury then? Do you feel there's a uh, North Bay Sudbury rival really starting to uh, rivalry really starting to build up now after North Bay um, is now three and two against them on the year? I mean, that was a uh, was a pretty hard fought game on on Sunday. You know, I just the the Sudbury rivalry. It's kind of, I don't know, it's reminiscent of, you know, it was like the the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and Ottawa Senators or Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens, for that matter. You know, how that rivalry was so hot at a point, and now it's kind of died down. I think the first season that the the battalion were here in North Bay was uh, that was a big rivalry because you, you saw like the the standings were just kind of going back and forth and then you came down to that last week of the season the battalion with a big win in Sudbury to take the division and you know it was huge and that rivalry you saw every single game was was a tight game it was chippy and you know you didn't know what was going to happen and now mm -hmm. it's just kind of you go into those games and and you're saying you know you know what Sudbury's doing um they're trying to kind of build like it's the same thing that the battalion are doing now you know they've kind of tried to pad and build for the future but those games they don't seem to have as much spark as they did in the first season you know it's it's still in the back of your mind that is a rivalry, you know. It's 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 so same close division, to Sudbury. Same uh, just like back when yeah. when the Centennials were here, that was that was a rivalry. But mm -hmm. now it's just I feel like it's died down. And don't get me wrong, that rivalry is going to heat up again. But I I think maybe not so much this year. The Battalion are for now they're up here, and Sudbury is kind of down here at the bottom. So it's it's hasn't been as much, but. If you don't think that every t single time the battalion go into Sudbury or vice versa, that Sudbury wants to take down yeah. this team, you know, I mean, that's that's exactly what's going on right now, and and that kind of gets that creates a spark as well. So there's a little bit of a rivalry, but not as much as we've seen in the past.
Pori trying to get through the defense. Diving. Save made. Oh. Rebound. Colella puts it in. Fantastic goal, Maurizio Colella. And the battalion have a 2-0 lead. Face off one by the Wolves. They play behind the net. Now back in front. Oh. Loose on the crease. And they're able to put it in. Sokolov. And the Sudbury Wolves have tied this game at two. Top of the circle to Amadio. He walks into the middle, back down to Wood. Wood fire scores! You don't need a driver when you've got a three-wood. Power play goal for North Bay, and they take a 3-2 lead. Right side to Agard, Agard to the point to Murphy. His shot blocked. Verti gets it out ahead to Santos. Up to Amadio. Amadio's gonna skate it into the empty net. Hey, ho Amadio, an empty netter for the North Bay Battalion captain. Make it four to two with a minute 30 to go. That is eight points for Mike Amadio against the Sudbury Wolves this season. And now Mike Amadio is tied for sixth all time on the battalion point scoring list. His 194th career point, his 71st goal ties him with Adam Henrik. And the North Bay Battalion have not lost in regulation in their last seven games. Five wins and two extra time losses. And the North Bay Battalion are right there in the Central Division race. They get all four points this weekend as they beat the Sudbury Wolves four to two. And it is an even 80 career wins for Jake Smith. Ben Garrigan and Brady Lyle. Does the rivalry hang on the balance of those, the development of these two kids? No, I'm with Brian. I, I think I think for the players, it's not a big rivalry. Uh, the North Bay kids on Sudbury, um, it's probably bigger to them than the than the uh, sorry the I gotta, the North Bay kids who play for Sudbury in North Bay. It's probably a bigger deal for them than it is for the North Bay kids who go to Sudbury. Sure. Got to be careful how we phrase yeah. this. Uh, just because of where the battalion are and where the Wolves are, it's a big deal for Danny DeRoche to play in North Bay. He's mm -hmm. nearing the end of his career. Uh, Brady, Law, I mean, Ben Garrigan is just trying to, you know, get a career going. He's done that, and now just maintain a, a roster spot. That's going to be his 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 goals. Uh, Brady Lyle, he just wants to get his career going. Really, I mean, that's reality. North Bay has one big, big, big rivalry rival right now, and one. they play about two and a half hours down yeah. the highway, <laughs> and uh, that's not going to change for a while. I don't a, think that one's going anywhere. And uh, a good one with Niagara because they've there's a coaching rivalry. Mm -hmm. uh, with Marty Williamson and Stan Butler, and of course that's a divisional rivalry, a playoff series. But, but other than Niagara and Mississauga, uh, maybe it used to be bigger because of the uh, the geographical mm -hmm. thing with Brampton and Mississauga. But I would say Barry's the the big the big rivalry, and, and that's going to stay that way for a while. And it's and it's the playoffs that really make it that rivalry, that's right? Because right? yeah. that's I mean that's when the tensions are running high and the emotions are running high, and you know you see a team like. The Barry Colts in the playoffs every single year, which is what we had with the Sudbury Wolves, and we just haven't seen that uh, since the team's been here in North Bay. Yeah, so I mean, I think uh, again, the t North Bay and Sudbury, two teams with a lot of young talent that I think uh, could have some playoff matchups coming up in uh, the near future. I'm sure there's going to be one point where Brady Lyle and Ben Garrigan face off against each other in a playoff game and that's going to be a lot of fun to watch and it was a lot of fun to chat with you guys uh this week thanks so much for joining me the battalion have niagara and the sioux coming up this weekend so some big games ahead for the north bay battalion hey matt great to be here and enjoy the ride
<laughs> you stole my line. I uh, know that's, that's my, my line. line. Uh, it's I my, stole it's the line that you line. use. Okay, enjoy the but line. But it's though. my line. Enjoy the very much. We'll sort out whose line it is on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Battalion Blog Podcast.